0: Welcome to Beyond the Roadmap, Product Talk with AWH, a podcast for product people, by product people. Join us as experts share their experiences and expertise to help you build great products.
1: This is Ryan Frederick with AWH, and this is Beyond the Roadmap, a podcast about product, product process, and the people behind products. And with me today is Adam Thomas. And Adam and I are actually talking for the first time. We met on Twitter because I did the you know very creepy, just you know, slid into Adam's you know DM on Twitter and said, "Hey, I do this product podcast. Are you open to coming on it?" And I did that because Adam started showing up in, in my Twitter feed because of some of his tweets and some of the. Other things that he was retweeting and, and liking. And then I saw some of his his tweets and I thought he had some interesting takes and perspectives on products and the process and teams, etc. So here we are to dig into that. Adam, thanks very much for, uh, for joining and having the conversation.
0: I'm very excited to be here, Ryan. Thank you for inviting me.
1: So I'm actually going to start with it seems like and we're going to focus most of the conversation on sort of hiring and careers because you 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 tweeted about you know that and, and I think it's an interesting conversation and, and one that, that deserves to get unpacked And I think one of the maybe best ways to start is to start at a very f- sort of fundamental level that we seem to lose sight of the fact that every product is a reflection of the team who's behind it. And we often get so caught up in processes and methodologies and frameworks and tools and and sort of infrastructure, right? And we t- we tend to talk a lot about those things and and even you know things like are roadmaps valuable anymore or, or you know or not or in what way are they valuable or depending on what you, where you are with the stage of your product are they valuable? And so we we talk sort of you know at, at nauseum around things like that. And some of those conversations are important, but we seem to lose sight of the fact of talking about the fact that a product is is a direct reflection of the team that that, that creates the product and sort of evolves it. What's your view of you know the teams and the people behind products, not necessarily you know getting as much um, airtime as as tools, processes, and frameworks are?
0: Well, I think the answer to that is simply. Because it's hard, the soft stuff, the things that make products go, uh, is a very, very, very messy thing to, to get aligned. I'll tell you this. Uh, I right now there's I put out a, a call um, yesterday for heads of product, young heads of product, to contact me. I'm working on something and I, I need their perspective. But I asked them before I give before I ask them anything. I want to solve one problem. Uh, and every single problem, every single problem. It's not about roadmap. It's not about the technical stuff. It's not even about research. It's about people. Every problem has been about people so far. As I said, like I think it's one of those things that, um, again, it's very easy to talk about the tools and techniques. Uh, should I use the Spotify Squad model? Boy, or, or, uh, you know, we we what's what's uh, safe agile? Should it, buy, should it die? Yes, it should, but. Whole other conversation. Right. But it's a lot harder to talk about how to have those conversations and how to how to engage with people to get the objective to, to get the outcomes that you want.
1: Yeah, very well put. Does it get any easier over time? I mean, we're messy and complicated as, as humans. Does it get any easier from a product perspective and all the, the human interaction around it to make it, you know, at least sort of incrementally easier over time? Or is the human component always going to be fairly complicated and messy, given how complicated and messy we are as
0: creatures? I think it's always going to be that way what experience gives you is more patience. And uh, it also lets you know just how crazy it can get. Yeah. Like experience basically tells you that you don't know anything, (laughs) And just, just kind of relax and and dig deeper, ask questions, and move forward. So,
1: share with listeners a little bit more about who you are, how you got involved in product, and why you're on t- Twitter, tweeting a lot about product and and wanting to engage, you know, in, in in like this new initiative with these young heads of product. How did you get where you are, and where'd you come from?
0: Well, uh, I started as a uh, arrogant nineteen-year-old founder. Uh, which I think for, for some people listening, this is very rela- relatable, but I think the, the, the good thing was I, I didn't quite know what the tech world was. So like, I had to build a business without all of this extra choice, which uh, I am forever grateful for that opportunity. So yeah, I started off as a founder, uh, built this company called the Gamer Studio. A lot of, a lot of uh, fun times, spent about four years building that, um, my first tech product that I built was the content management system for that uh, project, for that startup. That was kind of like my first interaction. My first time doing product for someone else was at a company called uh, DTCC. And what makes DTCC so interesting, the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, is that it ensures the entire stock market, 99% of it basically in the US and uh, a bunch of it in Europe and Asia. And I happened to get started on the mainframe team there, which was responsible for 90% of the transactions. Now, brace yourself. Uh, <laughs> the amount of transactions that DTCC deals with because they're the insurers of the market is insane. So every year, about $2.2 quadrillion uh, goes through their system. And the mainframe team is responsible for about 90% of it. That's where I got my start here in New York. Uh, three years as an engineer there, three years as a mainframe architect, which is basically a, a product manager, of mainframe. My first interactions with all types of things from new initiatives. Those are my first interactions with things like AI on a on a on a uh, large scale, enterprise scale, to you know contracts, profit and loss, blah blah blah, um, all the way through to uh, sunsetting. Um, and the political battles that, at what may be the most audited company in the world, learning how to uh, play those political games to get something done um, that I believe in, which is sunsetting product. After that, started another business called Arcade School, back to video games, back to education. Didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to. And then I got to philosophy, which is, I call philosophy my finishing school for product management. The reason why I call it that is I got a chance to work with uh, some amazing product people, folks I get to call mentors to this day, folks like Chris Chandler and, and uh, Chris Butler, who are amazing product minds and have been doing this stuff forever. So like, I, I got a chance to work on work on a, a bunch of crazy projects with a, with a bunch of smart, smart people. And that gave me some more uh, background there. A couple of uh, misses between then and now. Uh, Brand product and marketing for a startup called Datalog, and then uh, ended up at a company called Informed where I built the product and functioned as basically the head of product. That's my journey. Uh, Oh, what got me on the Twitter? I think uh, after, uh, after leaving Informed, I hadn't had time to sit down and like really think about my experiences. And after enjoying the break, Break that happens, you know, when you, when you leave a job, and like, you, you can decompress. And this is the first time I, I had a chance to really decompress. I started thinking about all the environments and things that I've been in and, and situations and thought, hey, should probably start tweeting about this stuff. Uh, so I started writing, studying, uh, started going to places like Mind the Product Concepts just as a guy, just being like, hey, I have these ideas. And a couple of blogs like Mind the Product, Product Craft, and the Product Marketing Alliance said, Sure. Take them Um, and make out. Got me started into really uh, talking about that and finding out that some of my ideas weren't so crazy. Uh, So there you go.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. So it it sounds like you're you're sort of an engineer by trade, who you know then sort of morphed into product at you know at, at a sort of higher level than than just engineering. And do you think that that gives you a a better sort of view and perspective on, on products since you've been in an engineering capacity and and it gives you a little bit better understanding of how a product person you know engages with other disciplines as part of the product team?
0: Yes, and um, I, I will add this. Being an engineer, this is one of my pet peeves at this point. Being an engineer helps. Being able to think through systems, being able to think through some of the architecture it can be helpful, but I I think far more impactful uh, to my product life and and the way I think about product was my time as an editor uh, and a journalist in terms of of getting things done and working with people and asking the right questions. Like that far outstrips what uh, I learned as an engineer, which I think goes back to one of the things I, I don't like about product right now, it's this professionalization of it, where folks go. You have to have an engineering background with an MBA from a top 15, and then you can start this journey of product management. Well, product is a complicated, messy thing, and as it and as such, it needs a lot of different perspectives to work right. Some of my favorite product people have never been engineers, uh, and they, they and they you know when I see what they're able to get done, it puts me to shame. And again, I say that just, just to say like, yeah, we, we should probably put, like, I just want to put the bed, the technical, you got to be technical, uh, and you got to be an engineer. You know, it's super helpful. It's a requirement before you become a PM talk. I think we miss out on, on.
1: Right. Do you think then that, you know, based upon your experience and what you've observed in, in others, do you think that having a more sort of generalist background and a more Sort of broad view of of people and how teams get things accomplished is is that more centric to being a successful product
0: manager? Yes, because there's there's so much there's a wealth of information and, and knowledge uh, when you have a a product team full of generalists from different places, right? And, and I don't just mean like inside of tech places. One of my uh, favorite product leaders right now. She started as a journalist um, and essentially got thrown into that position because she uh, or just because they needed someone at, at the time, um, and she was able to use a lot of her newsroom prowess to, to whip a product team into shape. Musicians, uh, clowns, like what? Like it doesn't really matter, but like all different. Uh, there's something in Restaurant tours. There's there's something in every single field that product could use, um, and having a room full of people with that are generalists and different with different perspectives is is going to beat the uh, professionalized PDM team every time.
1: So one of the tweets that I mentioned earlier that I that I saw of yours was about hiring, and 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 I'm going to read behind the tweet a little bit and infer that what you were. Referencing is that hiring for for product managers and product people is not going super well and and is kind of broken. Is that is that a fair inference?
0: Very fair. Uh, and I'll say this to Ryan: like all hiring is broken, right? Like um, just hiring in general, it's it's really bad. I was laughing uh, because yesterday one of my favorite websites uh, called Barnum Street had an article that did, just said job interviews were broken. And yeah, it, and, and it made a lot of points that, uh, some of the points that I made in, in uh, my latest in Mind the Product, that the way we assess folks, we tend to throw out all the, all, the, uh, all the research that has been done in the field and make these bad rush decisions based on bias. In product, this is doubly bad uh, because one, um, unlike some fields, right, product is not professionalized, even though I think we lie to ourselves and say it is. And two, product means something different at, because it's not professionalized, product means something different at every shop. What's product for a SaaS company, uh, an e SaaS company with 100 people is completely different than what product is at Facebook. All right, but we, we often don't consider this, or it's rarely discussed or thought about at least publicly, when it comes to higher, so yeah, uh things are broken. <laughs> How much of it do you think is
1: you know the the fact that even though product you know is is a fairly new craft and discipline, at least it is from a sort of um intentional and, and very conscious perspective. you know, I would argue that that product as a discipline and a craft is actually not very new. We've actually been doing it for a really long time. We just we just never labeled it. We didn't know what to call it, right? And so now now we call it product, and we call people that that sort of you know lead a product you know product managers. So now we're starting to we're starting to give it some construct, and to your point, you know it's starting to get professionalized. But how much of it still, because I think, you know, the the general consensus is that product is still pretty new as as a craft and a discipline. How much of that do you think goes into both product managers and companies looking to hire product people getting it wrong?
0: Um, I disagree with the concept um, of of this premise. Uh, And here's why. I've worked with product people that have had the product title, maybe it was called program or product, but they knew what they were that have been doing this since the 90s, right? It's nothing, um, I think where folks got caught is as this as this discipline has evolved, because right? like I can I can give you product books from the 1980s and 90s, right? Like I've sat there and I've read some of them. What most people caught on to was probably just the lean stuff that happened in the in the mid 2000s, um, and then assumed that it was new. And once kind of lean took off, that became product itself. Everyone got into agile. There was this huge kind of shift where all of a sudden now folks think that uh, this is a new discipline or it feels new or whatever. And it's really, what we're really talking about are evolutions of something that have been here for, for quite some time. That being said, I think what has what's happened and what led to this is a is a whole bunch of people not paying attention to the folks that have been doing this for a very long time. And just kind of going off on their own and saying, All right, I know what product is, taking a couple medium articles, taking like what's visible, right? What availability bias, and then creating creating a discipline where one was already here. So what we end up having is this mismatch of some of my mentors that have been doing this work for twenty years twenty twenty five you have people in the middle like me that kind of waxed on maybe ten years ago as we start to get older and then there's this kind of new wave of people that are catching up to some of the newer thinkers that existed right like I'm looking at inspired right now Marty Pagan has been doing this work forever right like this is this is um right it's not new just it just feels like it is. Because folks are catching on to the evolution
1: of it. Right. Doesn't each side of the equation, a a product person and a company have to know who they are from a product perspective in that a product manager really has to know what kind of a product manager are they? Are they, you know, are they a design-driven product manager? Are they a data-driven product manager? And then the same thing from a company perspective, right? What kind of a product culture do they want or do they have? What kind of process? And, and, then, and then there has to be, because one of the things that I see happening right now is product management is now getting treated very you know, it's just all, all product managers are just getting lumped into, in, into a single bucket, right? And companies are not very self-aware and, and, and conscious of what kind of a product company they are and what kind of a product culture they have. Isn't there a responsibility on both sides to be a little bit more self-aware through this process?
0: Uh, yeah, 100%. This is where strong product leadership is super duper important advising a couple companies right now on making their first product hires. And really the, the crux of it is like you need someone that has been there before to help craft that self-awareness because things are much harder to change once they're downstream than you know when 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 the scrum happens, right? Uh, when it when it's, and when it's uh, it's a small amount of people. In terms of the PM themselves and it takes a couple of years to know what type of PM you are. And for a lot of folks, once you start engaging with this work fully, you might find yourself being a different PM than what you signed up for or, or what you thought you were coming into this. Right? I, I started off as a super duper technical engineer writing a simple, Right? Like I, I am the furthest away from technical right now. And I, I don't, don't ask me to code anything. It's going to be horrific. <laughs> I'm gonna open up a text editor. Like it's like it's gonna be really bad. Versus like uh, you know, and I found myself to be a, a very research-heavy right right now, uh, research-heavy business. Heavy. Yeah, and that took me years of doing the work and, and having different projects to to see where I'm naturally a fit. So yeah, it, it takes a few years, a few years of doing the work to know exactly who you are, um, and that that kind of brings up why leveling is is. Uh, Leveling is a huge deal in product. Why it's that's a big problem right now, but that's another conversation. I think that the, the answer to your question there, um, yeah, it takes time, and, and both sides, it's critical that uh, both sides know what they are.
1: Do you think, well, how much do you think that the type of product? Sort of the the stage of the product and the stage of the company matters around whether a, a a role is a good fit for a product manager or not. For for example, you know, someone considering a product management position at a Fortune five hundred insurance company is a very different product role than joining a startup as the first product person in the company and there is no product yet. How does a product Person sort of vet those factors and and be able to know whether a role is makes sense for them and is a good fit and is is aligned or whether it's a huge, it's a huge stretch or it's a huge misalignment.
0: Well, I think that goes back to your self awareness idea earlier, right? Like, you don't know until you know, but you got to be around long enough to know to know yourself, right? Um, I'm really good. On teams between fifteen to twenty to a hundred, right? That's that. But I only know that through experience. You know, I've worked at the huge, the huge company before. I had some pros, but wasn't really my thing. Worked at the super tiny company before. Built a few super tiny companies. Eh, not my speed. So I mean, like that. That's, uh, that goes back to knowing yourself. Um, if there's a PM that is making that decision right now and is listening to this, I would say. Uh, ask yourself a couple questions, right? Um, uh, are you a person that loves to get support? How political are you, right? If you can understand the political waters very well, you can do very well in a huge company. You have a lot of access to resources and things that you that you, you wouldn't have at all at a small company. But if you're the type of person that likes to know everyone and uh, um, you're the type of person that uh, does well in, in, in kind of smaller teams, well, you know, look at the startup more. Right? I guess uh, we've hit the point in the podcast where I say it depends and we all have to take a shot. Right. So <laughs> the, the, we got there. The,
1: the good, right. The, the good consultant, you know, uh, fallback position. Well, it depends.
0: Yes. It took us 25 minutes while we're here. Right.
1: <laughs> so let, let's say that a PM has joined a company and joined a team and it isn't a great fit as it turns out and it's and it is a a little misaligned is it salvageable and if so how or if the, if there's that recognition that oh man this this is this is a square peg in a round hole situation it is a pm and a company just better moving on or are there some some ways to sort of uh, go in a different heading and and at least have it become you know, um, okay, if not on a on a track to become great at some point.
0: Well, um, this is also an it depends uh, uh, question. However, I'll add some uh, I'll add something to it. Have you have you read uh, Nicholas Taleb? Yes, yes, yes. So, for those who don't know, right? I think his his most popular book would probably be The Black Swan. Uh, Fooled by Randomness. Uh, I love Andrew Fragile. I've probably read that. Eighty thousand times, and that's where this is going to come from, right? Um, anti, in anti-fragile, Taleb talks about uh, writing your resignation letter before you start. And the reason why this is powerful is it answers some of those questions right there for you on the page, right? What are your What are your non-negotiables? For me, right, one of my non-negotiables is. Uh, uh, defensive product. Like, I don't really care to be a part of a team that isn't trying to get market share. That's boring to me. Another one of my, uh, thing, one of my things is racism. Like, I'm not going to be a part of any racist team or, or, or like, what whatever thing that's going to be horrible for, for folks. Another thing for me is, same thing with racism, is, is, like, too much use of manipulation, right? Especially when it comes to AI tools. So that leaves things like Facebook out, right? I couldn't be a part of it. So, like, writing something like that where you are clearly, before you are bound to anything, writing something like that that basically makes it clear what you're not going to negotiate it makes that question that you asked before, is it salv- salvageable, much easier, right? Because if it doesn't fall in one of those behaviors, now you got to start asking, oh, it doesn't fall into one of those buckets that you've written before. Like, now you can start asking yourself, what's well, the psychological level here? Have they done something for me before? What do they do with other people that... Uh, that signal when something is wrong. Do they do they let them go? Do they do they support them? Right. You can start asking yourself a lot of questions. That'll help you get to that. Wait, should I leave or should I stay? So, but yeah, like writing that that uh, resignation letter before you start, super critical. Yeah,
1: I think that's a really good point. Uh, the non-negotiables, I, I you know, I think are are critical because then you 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 get to at least sort of consciously say all right this isn't this isn't a good fit or there's some misalignment but is it misalignment around those pillars that are non-negotiable or is it misalignment around some things that that are are less pillar like and are are more you know just branches right off of off of you know a trunk that you can you can try to you know evolve and, and and change over time and maybe have some some impact and and be part of of making those changes where if they're very sort of trunk right non negotiable things then you know this those, those things tend to be very hard to change and and in most cases those things you know those things don't change uh and and if if you're in conflict around those things then um, it's unlikely that it's going to get to a point of, of being awesome if if you've got misalignment around some of those you know very critical trunks.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Right, like because there's another cost associated, and with staying at a job, it's your own sanity. And I'm sure, folks, I can I, I, I can I know I can definitely speak to this because I've been at places a little too long where you know you start feeling that thing. that that feeling inside of your stomach every day you walk in. That's not good. Like that ooh, why am I here? Work is the best when you when you get up and you have a mission and you're ready to go. And you know, at certain places I've told folks like I love when it hits nine o'clock. It feels like the the rubber's meeting the road. But as soon as that goes away and it's replaced by dread, right, you gotta start asking yourself some really serious questions because that's when your mental health is, is at risk.
1: Right. And and as we've talked about, you know, product management is such a challenging position that if it's not awesome, it's probably it's probably destructive. Right. I mean, there's very sort of little in between in in my experience, looking at at product teams and and looking at at my product firm, you know, working with, with clients. It's either awesome or it's not. And there's very little in between.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it can be, right? Like, there, there are just regular PM jobs that, you know, you, you show up to and, and things are good. I mean, that's, I guess, one of the reasons why I left DTC. Like, it, it was okay for the most part. Like, it was fine. But, you know, I wasn't I wasn't growing. Right? I could still be there to this day, just on a mainframe, dealing with products, going to work. So, like, I mean, I guess I just said that to say, like, yeah, uh, regular, um, kind of like regular jobs do exist. It's not always uh, hell yes and and, and hell no. And that's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it it depends on, you know, it's the expectations of, of, you know, performance and challenge, you know, by a PM, too, because if you know, I think exceptional PMs are looking for challenge. They're looking for intrigue, right? They, they want to be interested. And if it isn't awesome and, and then it isn't those things, then exceptional PMs will then go seek those things
0: out someplace else. Yeah, and I mean, also, like, you know, PM doesn't have to be your, your calling in life, you know? It's okay to have a, a another calling in life, anything, anything else, you know, really into racing. I don't, I'm looking at cars right now, so that's the first thing that's in my mind. Let that be your thing sorry yeah Um, remember work is just work
1: yeah so we're in this pandemic period now which has created lots of challenges and you know one of the challenges it has certainly you know created is everything is is virtual now and creating a product is a very communicative collaborative process and that's certainly you know become a challenge for for product managers now communicating, collaborating with the team and and not being able to get in a room together and not being able to, you know, whiteboard together and talk things through together and, you know, et cetera. And it's also challenging for, for product managers from a, a customer and user research and validation perspective because, you know, it, it's harder to get in front of customers and users now. In some ways, I guess you could argue that it's easier because now you can just do it virtually and, you know, there isn't travel involved. And, you know, it, it's, it can be facilitated easier. But I think that, that and I wonder, so I want to get your perspective on given how sort of collaborative and high touch the the typical product process is, how are companies and, and product managers going to determine whether there's a good fit for a product manager to join a company and, and through the hiring process of whether a company can communicate what it's really looking for in a PM and, and because I think a lot of the cultural things, right. A lot of the cultural vibes and signals might get lost in a virtual, you know, hiring process versus a, you know, a maybe, you know, less virtual, more sort of in-person, you know, high touch sort of process. How do you think about that as part of the hiring process right now for product managers?
0: uh i think like um like most things regarding product i can't tell you exactly what to look for i can tell you what to avoid so yes not being able to come into the office you know sit there and 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 and, you know really look at someone's face and see them and touch them and all that sucks. but it does open up different opportunities like for example way easier to get people on the phone or video chat that are not a part of your hiring process right now right? Like, um, say you're interviewing for director of product somewhere, right? It would be great to be able to talk to the director of engineering, right? But he's probably a part of your the hiring process at some point. Let me talk to the head of sales. Let me talk to the, uh, let me talk to an IC, customer success person. Let me talk to uh, the office manager. Let me let me talk to different people. This is now like much easier uh, because in, in person, it's like, oh, we got to get them a meeting room and it'll now it's just like, all right, when do they have a free 15, 20 minutes? The process should be something that, that uh, you know, you can get on the phone. Somebody can get on the phone with relatively quickly. And now if they don't let you do that, that's a big old red flag. What else could, should you avoid? Uh, if a team is, is uh, late or sending late emails or things around the clock, like it's easy, uh, you know, if you're sending me emails at 3 a.m., what is the culture like when I'm settling and working there? Um, sounds like there's not a lot of cultural things. It sounds like there's culturally there's a problem with, with time and expectations. Uh, don't want to fix that with your company? Mm, I guess that depends too, but for the most part, probably not. Like I can really see what your where your perspective is. So I mean like I mean those are two things that are top of mind right now.
1: Yeah, I but think yeah, the one yeah. about yeah, I think the one about product managers who are are considering joining a company asking to talk to various sort of stakeholders in the company that that might might be part of the the sphere, you know, of of the product position but also may only be tangential to it is a really good tip because I think that it can give a product manager who's considering joining a company a much better view of, of sort of the culture and whether the the company is willing to open up access to, you know, various people. And maybe that's even easier to facilitate now that it's virtual, as you were saying, than it was before when, you know, a lot of logistics had to happen around it for that to take place.
0: Right. Because if they, if they are, if they aren't willing to give you access when they're actively trying to court you, right. If that, At that stage, it should be like they're at the time where they're actively trying to court you, right? What is it like when you get in there and they don't have to court you anymore? You signed your offer.
1: Right. So I want to conclude with asking you, we sort of know, you know, who most people think are the best product companies and who are getting product, um, you know, mostly right these days. Do you have any, uh, any companies that, that you're aware of that are maybe not household names that are doing product exceptionally well?
0: Well, unfortunately nothing comes to mind. I haven't, I haven't done the work in that respect to, to really dig in, to 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 talk to some of those product directors that are really in the heads of products that are killing it. So I, I I'm going to have to pass on that question.
1: Yeah, no, no it's totally okay. Um, because I think that, you know, there's, you know everybody sort of looks at you know for better or for worse you know they look at Amazon and they look at Google and they look at you know airbnb you know et cetera and you know and it's easy to fall into the trap of of continually referencing you know those companies as being and and holding them up as as being the best product companies and i th- I think that that it's incumbent upon the product community to start acknowledging and recognizing others and maybe some up and comers that, that are, you know, even maybe advancing product as a craft and a discipline, even more so than, than some of those, you know, uh, household names that it's easy to sort of point to.
0: Yeah, um, I think, I, I mean, some of the folks that I, I mean, I look up to are there, like, I mean, like, uh, whoo, like Melissa Perry, she's amazing. Uh, brilliant at a lot of this product stuff. Teresa Torres, Maggie Crowley, who has a great podcast uh, with her Drift podcast. Um, like uh, so many, uh, uh, some of the folks that I spoke with at mind the product, just amazing. Gip Biddle is a great teacher. Ah, Matt Lemay, geez, how can I forget Matt? You know, sneakily becoming one of my mentors. Just, uh, just tremendous product minds. let see. See Todd Lombardo, just like all these great minds that uh, I don't know. Like I, I just, I love to have the privilege of being around and learning from and, and chatting with Sid Harrell. Just like all these these great names that a lot of them, none of them are at the huge companies, but uh, John Cutler. Like I just, there's a whole bunch of these names, right? That that uh, that I I love and respect dearly.
1: Yeah, and well, maybe it's a good thing, you know that. It's for you. It's more personal, right? It's more the, the it's more the individual than it is the company that they're 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 at, and and maybe that's you know uh, maybe that's a good thing ultimately because where we started, you know, product is is messy and complicated because it is a very human centric endeavor and position, and so maybe having product people more recognized for their individual, you know. Contribution and, and their individual capabilities is even better than recognizing companies as as being great a product.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, right? It's the mind, the folks that can facilitate and create these wonderful spaces where we're going to have the next generation of, of of great product people crop up and do podcasts like yours and and uh, when I'm uh, I don't know, I'm out in pasture, whatever. Uh, that'll <laughs> That'll that'll uh, be pushing this pushing this uh, discipline even further. So, super super.
1: Yeah, and you've referenced you you've ref- referenced Mind the Product a couple times, and so you know give a shout out to Mind the Product and and our firm has run uh, Product Tank in Columbus where we're located for a couple of years now, and it's it's gotten more challenging you know to do it you know because of the pandemic. But Mind the Product is a fabulous resource, uh, great people, and and. Great conferences, great content, and you know even great local support through you know the product tank um, sort of model and and workshops. So um, if you're not familiar with Mind the Product, now's your chance to go check them out. If you're if you're listening to this, and presumably if you're listening to this, you're you're interested in product to a degree. Mind the Product is a great resource.
0: 100, percent. and don't leave out. I mean, product tanks are tremendous resources. And like it's weird because you know product tank can't go. Great product, tape generally goes, but for those that are in Columbus, right, or, or anybody and like product people anywhere that are listening to this, go seek out your, your local product, tape folks because, it, like, they, they get fantastic speakers coming by all the time, fantastic concepts. It's a great community of folks that are around you that you can talk with, you can build with, you can do all types of things with enterprising product people all in one place. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> definitely uh definitely 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 a uh, big shout out to product Tank and all the product tankers that 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 uh make product Tank happen so thank you ryan for for being a beacon in your community
1: yeah thanks thanks for that appreciate it uh Adam enjoyed the conversation thanks very much for joining and uh have a have a good rest of the day and we're recording this on a on a Friday, so I'm also gonna say uh have a great weekend.
0: Oh, yeah. Some of those those funny tweets will be popping up this weekend, I can guarantee it. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: will, I will be sure to see them and, and, and be entertained.
0: Oh, yes, 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 yes. FYI, you can find me at The AT on Twitter. So if you're interested, come on by.
1: Terrific. Adam, thanks very much for joining. This is Ryan Frederick from AWH, and this is Beyond the Roadmap, a podcast about building products, the product process, and product people. See you next time.
0: Need some help with product? AWH is a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm here to help you create great digital products. Check out www.awh.net or follow us on Twitter at AWHNet to learn more.